All right, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, church family. I pray all of you are doing well. I pray that you're staying warm. I really wish we do we, we could get together today, but I understand why we can't. But I do want to spend a few minutes with you talking about Jesus. So if you got your Bibles, open them to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. I'll read this here in just a minute. When I was a kid, uh, Dad would read two stories on Christmas Eve. It was somewhat of a tradition. The first one was the night before Christmas, and I'm sure you remember that one. It goes, it was the night before Christmas when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung on the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nick would soon be there. I'm sure you all know that story. And what I remember the most about uh, that time was sitting in Dad's lap and looking at the pictures as he read each page. The pictures were very, very elaborate. Uh, and it was just good times. Now, of course, when I got older, I didn't want to sit in Dad's lap and be read the night before Christmas. I thought it was uh, childish, but as I look back on it, it was very good times. Now, the second story that he would read was the Christmas story from the Bible. Now, if you want to find the traditional Christmas story in the Bible, you go where? Yeah, it's kind of tricky because I just had you turn to Matthew chapter 2, but most of us know it from Luke chapter 2. It's in both. Matthew has its version and Luke has its version, and they're very different. But most of us know the Luke chapter 2 version because that's the one that Linus tells in the Charlie Brown cartoon episode. And that's the one that talks about Mary and Joseph, the innkeeper, the shepherds, uh, little baby Jesus, and all of that. You'll find that in Luke chapter 2, and it's a very uh, Jewish story, as Luke tells it, primarily because it's a very local story. In, in Luke chapter 2, it's only local folks who visit the manger, primarily the shepherds, and the text tells us that they were nearby. And so they come that night, and they find the child in the manger, just as the angels had said they would, and they worship him, and then they go back to their fields. It's a very, very early night. Everyone is in bed early. And it's because it's it's a local story. But Matthew knows that you know that story. When he writes his story, he knows that you have already read Luke's story. So Matthew doesn't tell you that part of the story. He, he tells you something that Luke doesn't tell you, and it's the story of what Matthew calls the Magi. Now, we call them uh, wise men or the three kings. That This is the story that Matthew gives. And so the amazing thing about it is, in Luke's version, as I had already told you, it's a very Jewish story. But the story that Matthew tells, understand, it would have been very, very scandalous and offensive to the Jewish people for the simple reason that the Magi are Gentiles. In the Magi are Magi. So let me read this story to you. I'm going to read two passages, one at the beginning of Matthew and then one at the end of Matthew. I want you to see what he's doing here. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says, uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. 
About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now let me turn to the end of the book of Matthew and read Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. It says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, if you'll go back to Matthew uh, chapter 2, let's talk about the wise men. I would say that you probably don't know all that you think you know about the ones we call uh, the wise men, and it's really not your fault. You're probably confused, and the reason you're confused is because we have confused you. The way the story is frequently told with the plays and pageants, I don't see how you couldn't be confused. For one thing, it, we, we say there were three wise men, but that's not exactly what the text says, is it? So where do we get three? Yeah, they give three gifts, right? They give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, so there are three types of gifts, so we just assume that there were three. Also, we call them wise men, but that's not who they were. They were magi. Now, that's not a familiar word to us, so we just call them uh, wise men. But to call them anything other than magi is wrong because they were magi. This word is something that in the Old Testament and in Jesus' day, the people would know. And they would know for sure that they certainly weren't wise men or kings like the manger scene suggests with the crowns and all of that. They weren't kings. They were magi. So who are the magi? Well, first, they were Gentiles. And that right there was enough to make the Jewish audience just completely lose their minds. 
I mean, what are Gentiles doing beside the crib of the king of the Jews? Who in the world invited them? They're Gentiles. Again, that right there is shocking enough. But they weren't only Gentiles, they were Magi. Now, Magi comes from the word magic. Now, I'm not talking about like David Copperfield or anything like that. These were pagan occultists, which means they were into the occult. They were into secret knowledge that you might know by looking at the signs of the Zodiac. And and, and we see these guys in the Old Testament, particularly in the book of Daniel, where King Nebuchadnezzar had a court full of these guys. They were sorcerers. And this is what everyone would know in Matthew's day when he says the Magi visited Jesus. They would know this. So what are they doing there? Because they definitely don't belong there. This is not normal at all. This is a group of pagan warlocks standing at the crib of Jesus. And I'm telling you, there's nothing normal about that. But Matthew wants you to know that they are there. Why? Who invited them? Well, the Lord did. God wanted them there. Now, why is that? Well, Matthew wants you to know that this king of the Jews is not just the king of the Jews, but that he is the king of the world. He's not just the Jews' savior. He's everyone's savior. He's everyone's king. And the reason we know that God wanted them there is because he gave them a sign. Remember the star that led them there. It probably took them about two years for them to get there because when they do get to Jesus, he's in a what? Yeah, he's not in a manger. He's in a house. Jesus was probably about two years old when the Magi visited him. Now, what do they do when they get to Jesus? What do they do? They give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They give him gifts. Now, there have been whole books written about these gifts and their significance, but Matthew's really not concerned about that. And you need to understand these are dignitaries from coming from another king, and they're bringing gifts to a king. And the way gifts usually work is you give someone a gift, and they do what? They give you a gift right back. That's the way gifts work. I mean, have you ever gotten a gift from someone, and you didn't have a gift for them? That's very awkward, right? But these magi, they bring Jesus gifts, and what does he give them? Well, it just seems like a poopy diaper, right? It just seems like the Magi give Jesus gifts and then they go away empty-handed, but do they? You see, the insinuation here from Matthew is Jesus is the gift. He is the gift. He is the one who gives so much more than gold and frankincense and myrrh. He is the gift. And I need you to understand, this is why Matthew starts his gospel with the nations of the world coming to Jesus. And he ends his gospel with Jesus's followers going into all the nations of the world. Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. Now, I know we say this every year, that the greatest gift you can give anyone is Jesus. And that is true. First for salvation, and then to help them become disciples. And I love what Matthew does here. He introduces the Magi because they are Gentiles. And every single one of us, we are Gentiles. 
We are only here because Jesus is not just the king of the Jews. He is the king of everyone. So I just want you to remember that today. I hope you have a wonderful day. God bless you, and I'll see you soon. Bye.